0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Thank you, Brother Jerry. Today is it's an honor to be stand behind any pulpit for me to speak at. I've, you know, it's an opportunity to speak at the jail and the prison, and, and sometimes it's not a pulpit. Sometimes it's a chair or a table or maybe even standing. But it's an honor. Well, I know you're standing, but I'm just. If you are going to read my text, and I'll let you sit. But it's an honor to stand behind any pulpit yeah. to speak. But to me, this pulpit right here is more than, more than that to me. Because the thing about it is, is, all my life, I've been fed with the seed and word, Brother Boyd, like spoke of this morning, from that side of this pulpit. So this pulpit, when I step behind it, is a more of an honor to me than any other pulpit that I get to step behind. Because this is the pulpit that I've been fed for them. Fed from my whole life. If you if you turn to Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, I'm going to read a scripture text that's familiar. It's it's a story that everybody here knows about. We talk about it a lot, and but I'm just like say, so it won't be nothing new. But today I I think I've got a word from God. Luke 15 and verse 11 says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey unto the far country. And there wasted this, his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of this, that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great far away off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Today, this is like I said, this is a familiar story. It's a fun story that most of our younger kids can say. And I, and, so today, I, I wanted to just speak to you this word. Lord, let us lay your Bibles down listen the word, Lord, touch this anointing today. We know your word's anointed, but Lord Jesus, touch me, Lord Jesus, that I can speak the word, Lord. Lord Jesus, touch me, Lord Jesus, touch this congregation, Lord, that we're honored, Lord Jesus, that we anoint our ears, Lord Jesus, that we may hear this word, that we may f- feel this, this seed is planted in our hearts today. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The, this parable, the Brother Boyd talked about this morning, he's, the Scripture, he said, a parable is the word of God. Jesus gave these parables, and, and they actually there was three parables. This is the parable I read is the third parable of the three. The first two parables, the first one is about a lost coin, and the second is about a missing sheep. I think today that the, the, these three parables, I think, link together. I think today that God was trying to, one thing he was trying to get, a, get across to us or get across to the people he was speaking to and to us is that no matter how small or how least we think we are, God still carries for the same about us as he does for, for the, the bigger, greater things. He wants us to know that it don't matter who you are or where you're from. He went to the cross for you. Every person here in this sanctuary today, he went to the cross for you. No matter where you come, where you're from, or how old you are, or how young, the youngest one here is, he went to the cross for each one of us. The young man asked for his inheritance. An unusual but legal request. The boy was saying, I don't have, I don't want to wait around for you to die, to get what I, what's coming to me, that's what the, the boy he was saying. He was saying, "I will say, you know, I'm not gonna wait. You you ain't dying fast enough, Dad." Is what he's he's, he's, what he's really saying to the guy. You know, his dad. He said, i you're not dying fast enough. I want what's come come to me. I want it now." And so that he 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 didn't want to wait for his time. He wanted everything right then. We don't want, sometimes we don't want to wait on God's timing in our life. We want everything now. Actually, sometimes we want everything yesterday. We want, we want his, we don't want to wait for him, for his timing for our life. We, we, we get ahead of God. We want, we want our things and we want it stuff now. There's an old quote that says, One moment of patience may ward off great disaster, but one moment of impatience may ruin a whole life. Just as the young son, we live in a world where everything and I don't, <clears throat> everything, we want everything right now. And we don't even want to have to work for those things a lot of times. That's, that's the attitude we have in this world we live. In. We don't even have to work for what we, we get. We want it just given to us. <clears throat> the world, the attitude is everything is owed to the us. And we live in a generation that we don't think, we want, they want, people want to retire before they even start the job. They get out of high school, they start talking about retirement. And that's, that's the thing is, you know, we have that, that and that's a, probably a good thing, but, you know, if we could do that. But the thing about that is, is we have that same attitude. We carry that into the church. We want everything. We want it right now. We want what we see the, the big ministers do. We want the things. We want to see the, 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 all the accomplishments that somebody has. But we don't want to have to do that work for that. So we find ourselves... Just asking God just to give us, and just we think we're owed, and we think we we deserve everything, and not we have to wait and work for it. We replace God and His will with our plans for our lives and our wants. Sometimes we don't, you know, we don't, we get to the point that we don't worry about asking God for it. We just think we can accomplish it. And I'm not talking about not going to college, but sometimes we think we get a college education. We can make enough money that we won't need God. Yeah. And that we can, we can accomplish stuff so our, on our own. As, the, as of the country of the United States, is a country that I love, but it thinks that this the country we love, it, it thinks that we don't need God. As a country, society, we've come to the point that we don't, that as a country, we don't need God. We've pushed him and ran him out of all of their high schools, all the courthouses every place else in the in the society that we can push him out of or as a, as a country we have pushed him out of the thing about it is is but when one something bad happens all you see in the papers all you see in the news are people begging for God's mercy so they don't have time for God when everything's going good but when things go and the country goes bad the, the tragedies we've had in the past you know, the, the night after that happens, the shootings we had in the schools, all you see is them begging for God's mercy afterwards. Where were they at begging for God's mercy before that happened, before the tragedy? That's where, that's where they've got it messed up. They, they think they can handle everything. They've got everything under control until something bad happens. If we're not careful, we can and will let the same, atmos- same attitude become in our life we can get to the point in our life that we don't think we need God. We can do this without it, without him. We can even, if we're not careful with some of the ministries we do, if we're not careful, oh, I can go speak to the guys in the jail. With, I don't have to have God. I can study enough word. I can, I can read over something and just go share the word. And they may get something from that word because I believe if, if this word's anointed, and if you share this word, it's going to be a thing. But the thing about it is you're losing God's will. God's will is not in your life when you're not asking him for your guidance. And him, I won't say, having you to say what you have to say. So the thing about it is we can just be just like this country. We can think we don't need God. But the thing about it is, is when everything goes wrong, one tragedy, we hit our face and we, we start begging for God for, for his forgiveness. <clears throat> I have I have times in my life I have drifted away from God. I'm a, you know be transparent here today. I know there's times in my life that I've drifted. There's times that I've drifted away and been active in church. There's times that I've drifted away. I'm you know just being transparent here. I hope everybody don't leave me out here to have my own. But today is 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 I've been been working in the church and, and been and fell away from God sometimes the thing about it is, is I'm so glad that I found my way back to him in the times I have I have watched people I have watched people that have drifted away from God and got to the point in their life that they didn't need God no more they didn't, they didn't care about his will they may have been sitting on a, sitting on a pew but they still had drifted away from God and realized, in their minds, didn't think they need God. They were in a dangerous place. Today, I'm telling you, they were in a dangerous place when they think that they're in complete control. When a person gets to the point in their life that they think that they're in complete control, they can handle any situation that comes along. And that's where we get, a lot of times, I'm talking about our male egos, a lot of times we get to that point that we can handle whatever comes along. We're big enough, there can't nobody take us on. We, we can we do whatever we want to do. We think we're big enough sometimes to handle and we're in complete control. But one little tragedy, they would find their lives upside down and begging for God. I know in my lifetimes I've thought that I can handle situations and the littlest tragedy sometimes I wind up upside down in my life. I've got to find God to, to, to help me. 1 Corinthians 3 and 13 says every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The thing about it is, is whatever our work is, whatever your work is, whatever your, you do in your life, I believe it's going to be tried. It's going to be tested. And, how, and the fire is going to sort out it's going to sort it out to the point and figure out. And, and God's going to test you to the point and, and it's going to sort out the good if you're, you're doing godly things or if you just on your own. So I believe every work of God is going to be, everything you do is going to be tested. It's going to be sorted. <clears throat> the prodigal, the word prodigal means to be a is waster, one who wastes the gifts and resources. The title comes from in verse 13 which tells how the son wasted his substance in righteous living. And that's what, the thing about it is, is sometimes in our life, you know, this son, he, he wasted his, all he had. He, his father had, in the scripture, you know, the, the story is, as Jesus told it, he divided everything he owned between his two sons. All his father had worked for all his life. And to this time, he had gave his half to his son. And with that, he, he, he just threw it away with unrighteous living. And that's, so the thing about it is, is that is just the word prodigal is, is, means wasteful. <clears throat> the, <coughs> can the word prodigal be referred to you today? Can you be referred to be, be called, do you want to be called? Nobody wants to be called a waster. With anything, but the thing about it is, is in our in our inheritance that we get, are we going to be called a prodigal? Are we going to be are we going to be called, referred to as wasteful for what God has gave us? What has God has done for us? The fall of the prodigal son began the moment he claimed the right, his rights when he separated his interest from the interest of his family. Not simply when he began to live reckless. He didn't. His fall began the moment he decided that he wanted to go a different direction. Not, not He didn't wait until he left and, and actually physically left his father's presence. His fall began when he decided that his interest and in his father's and family's interests went the same way. When he got overwhelmed and wanted to go do his thing, his own thing, and that's when he started to fall. The same with us. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to change our looks any to start to fall from God. Just when we separate our interest from our family or from God, when we separate what our interest and go to do what we want to do things that's not godly, a thing that God does not have for our will, when we start drifting away from that, what he wants for our life and what we think is fun, what we think is you know it becomes more important to us than what god has for our life that's when we start drifting away we may be still sitting on a pentecostal pew we may be still wearing our tie on sunday mornings but the thing about it is is if, if we have our eyes looking out and that's what happened to the prodigal son his in the story his his eyes was drifting and wanting to lo- lo- longing for the far country and that's where sometimes we find ourselves that's when we find ourselves it's a dangerous place to be when you start looking away. You're still sitting there on the pew. Everybody thinks everything's still okay. But the thing about it is, is you're longing, longing for somewhere else. Away from, the, away from God's in your life. When we are more involved in worldly things than we are things of God, that's when we start drifting away, further and away from God. The thing about it is, is sometimes in our life we, we start things, the worldly thing starts pulling our, our attention. It may not be a sinful thing. Sometimes it's, it starts put, drawing our attention. It takes us away, but if it takes us away from God, it starts pulling us in the wrong, in a dangerous direction. It don't matter, like I said, it can be something that's simple as Brother Jerry mentioned about fishing a boat. It could be something, and I, and I love fishing in, in the Gulf and in, in deep soup fishing. I don't get sick. But the thing about it is (laughs) the thing about it is 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 it could be something as simple as a fishing boat. If it's drawing you away from God. Sometimes we have to wind up working six days a week to pay for that boat. And then the only day we have to use that boat is on Sunday. And so that's where sometimes people start and it starts pulling you away from God. The, The boat's not the sin. It's, what, it's allowing you, pulling the direction it's pulling you in. The scary thing is that we can start drifting away from God and not even know it. Sometimes we don't realize that our eyes has moved off of the prize. Well, our eyes is over here. We, we think we're still focused. We're still coming to church and we're still doing this and doing that. So we're, we're still set pacifying one part of our life. But the thing about it is, is we are drifting away from God, and don't realize it. And that's where a lot gets a lot of people. We get so caught up in life, and we get so—before we know it, we're so far away from God that we even know it. Before we even know it, we get life and the stuff of life. It has a way of overwhelming our time, and 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 and. and Eventually it overwhelms our time and then it takes the point of we, that we're in direction that we're facing. And it changes that direction and we get out of the will of God for our life. We can get so busy doing things in our life that we lose or get out of the will of God. If we're not careful, we can get so caught up with the physical side of things that we, we miss, totally miss, that God wants to do spiritually. Second Colossians 3 and 12, I'm going to read this out of the, the Message Bible where it kind of clear, clarifies, maybe it clarifies it up to, to me it does anyway. It says, don't shuffle alone, eyes to the ground, absorbing with the things, absorbing the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. The thing about it is, is if we're not careful, we we get our eyes focused on the things around us, and we lose that, and we forget. You know, we get looking down, and we get in that downward thing, downward look. The other day, I was share a story. We was and let us know that how how just our eyes looking influences us and influences other how other people look at us. I was the other day in a shopping store and I was sitting outside the store waiting on my wife and daughter. Sitting out there in the, Brother Daniel in his chair outside. And I was sitting out there waiting on them and, and this young man come walking out the door. And the alarm went off but I didn't think nothing about it but his eyes, he was looking at the ground and walked right straight on by me. The lady came out of the store, the security, and she said she caught him on tape and she knew that was the guy that had just shoplifted whatever he had done, took whatever he had took, because she said when his eyes was looking at the ground, and he knew that he wasn't looking up, that, that he had something on. And so the, the security system, she said, that's how they look, They teach him to look for. When you're walking through there, he's got a guilty look on his, eye, his presence because he was looking towards the ground. So, so that lets us know that sometimes it matters which direction we're looking. The thing about it is, is as we're looking... We need to be looking upward toward God because that's where the action is anyway. That's where all the action's at. And we see the things from his perspective when we watch, look towards him for our guidance. The father, he allows his son to leave. Sometimes the worst thing God can do is to give us what we want. To show us that our desires can't be satisfaction. The prodigal son got what he wanted but lost what he had. When we rebel against God, we, we, his, God's will, so, he, he sometimes says, all right, your will be done. And he says, and see how you like it. God's most severe punishment may be to give us what we want. Sometimes when we're praying for things that we may not be needing, sometimes we may be praying for something in a situation praying for an outcome in a situation that God knows we don't need. Sometimes but if we keep pressing and pressing forward, he may give us what we want, but that may be a destruction to us. Ironically, it was the father's blessing that actually financed the prodigal son's trip away from his father's face. It was the son's revelation of his poverty that propelled him back into his father's arms. Sometimes we use the very blessings that God gives us to finance our journey away from him. It is very important that you know. sometimes the, things, the, the blessings he gives us, the things we, we testify about are sometimes the things that we use to finance our, our, our trip away from him, to finance our passage away from him and today in closing sometimes what matters the most is that we find our our way back to the arms of the father sometimes we use the very blessings that God gives us to find us our way away from him but the most very important thing is that we return back to God the thing is about is, is no matter how far you drift you run or you get away from God when you turn back to him He's not just waiting on us. But just like the song that Brother Chris sings sometimes that I love to hear sing, one of my favorite songs, that he will run toward us and take us back in his arms. And so today is you know, is, is we don't know where, how far ever, no matter how far you get away from God, how far you run, how far you get away from God. Today I don't know how far somebody may, may be here be drifted away from God. If you're in this house today, and you've drifted away from God, he's here waiting to run back to you. Today, if if you're here today and you've drifted away from God, I believe that he's here for you. I felt in prayer, preparing for this message, that I believe God is calling some people in this church. I believe he's calling some people that's under the sound of my voice today to a deeper place in God. I believe he it may, maybe I, might be out of your comfort zone. But the thing about it is, is we have to get into his will and not into our will. So no matter where you're at tonight, today in this His house, like I say, you may be drifted a little bit away from here or you may be a long ways from God. But the thing about it is, is God's here today. He's here waiting on you today. And as they sing today, as, as, if you, as you stand, I believe I felt God today impress me to say, tell, tell somebody this. If you'll come to this front this morning, no matter how much hurt you have in your life, I believe God can heal that hurt. God's here waiting to come to you if you'll just make that first step and come towards him. As they sing,